Hey friends, thanks for checking out this message from Believer's Chapel today. We hope that God speaks to you in a personal, powerful way. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Word of God with us. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be worshiping Jesus together. I love, you know, there's a lot of people who say, well, I, don't, I love Jesus, but I don't need the church. But Jesus is in the church. Jesus uses the church. And we are the church, right? And God is like, when we come together, just something happens. It, it, it's so many good things that happen when we come together. As we get to be in the presence of God together. We get to encourage one another. We get to correct each other sometimes. Um, you know, all those things happen uh, together here. And, you know, the crews have started. We have more crews than ever. And so if you didn't join one this last week, they just started this last week, get in one. You can still get in one. It's not too late. Go on our website. Go on our app. Check them out. Uh, and um, get, in, get in it this week. It's such a great time to grow in the Lord. We have to keep growing, right? We can't just, you know, stay stagnant. Stop developing, you know. God, God wants us to continue to grow in him and to learn more of him. And uh, we are in this series right now called Authentic Self. And uh, this has been a, just, we're just a few weeks in now, but it's been really, uh, I was telling the, the preaching team, you know, each week we go along with this, we have to um, be flexible with what we're going to even preach because we're learning and growing as we go. And it's, it's been just a great journey so far, and this one's no different. So I just want to dive right into this. I do, um, I, um, yeah, I'll just dive right into this, all right? So uh, next week, right, Sunday, next Sunday is Easter, all right? So what do we do on Easter? We have ham. Who, who likes ham? All right, ham, right? We have ham usually. Um, my sister's cooking, I think, so I hope she cooks ham. She likes ham too, so I'm sure she probably will. And um, we have, like, different things, and we get together. But when your kids are younger, what do you do after dinner? Or maybe you do it before. Easter egg hunt, right? And we hide. Or how many parents, how, do you, how many hide Easter baskets in the morning? Right? And you, one year, my mother hid 40 Cadbury cream eggs around my, our house just for me, right? I got to keep all of them. And that's when I started becoming fat. Easter egg, Easter Sunday, that's what Easter is about for me, you know. Uh, I love Cadbury cream eggs, I still do, but I try not to eat them. And, uh, you know, I, how many of you guys would rather hide things versus finding things? Let's just go over that. Who likes to hide? Raise your hand. Who likes to find? Raise your hand. Oh, it's pretty even, surprisingly. All right. Well, uh, you know, hiding things and hiding is, is you know, it's, I like to hide things. I don't like to find things. I don't like to look. You know, I just like, just give it to me. You know, sometimes my son will be like, Dad, guess, guess how many whatever there is in the world. And I'm like, I don't want to guess. Just tell me. He's like, no, just guess. It's between, you know, 600 and 700. 638. No, it's higher. No, I, just tell me. All right, 670. Nope, lower. Just tell me, Ty. I don't want to keep looking. I don't want to keep finding. I'd rather hide things like he does. I'd rather... In fact, when we were uh, younger, I remember going to my grandparents' house up in Adams Center, and they had this old, big house. And uh, when I was a lot younger, probably, 
under 10. I just remember my uncles and my aunts and uncles, they got along so well and we had a really close family. And sometimes we'd go up there for Easter or whatever and they had this big old house. And, and sometimes my aunts and uncles would hide around, especially if we're doing like a sleeping over there and stuff. And they would hide, they had all these nooks and crannies like in the house in different places. It was really built different, right? And so you could hide in all these different places and they would hide in different places and pop out on each other and scare one another, right? And I remember, you know, just uh, my aunts or my mother screaming because my uncle David popped out on them and scared them and they're, you know, and they're running through the house and all this fun and stuff and they, they would hide and, and, and find things. And I remember, you know, when my girls were younger, Carly's here today, uh, I would hide on them, but I'd hide not very hard so that when they'd come near me, I could pop out and scare them. So really, I like hiding and scaring. But, um, you know, they probably had uh, PTSD from that, but I don't know if Cardi's finished counseling on that yet, but um, you can talk to her after. But I, I like to hide a lot, right? And hiding is fun, and, and we hide different things, and we hide the Easter eggs, and we hide the Easter baskets, and we, we hide sometimes ourselves to, so that we can uh, scare different people. But when we hide uh, from God, then that starts to become an issue, uh, we start hiding things from God that becomes an either, either, a bigger issue, issue still, right? It's okay uh, to have fun and games with hiding and seeking and doing all these things. But when we hide from God, we get into trouble. When we hide things from God, we get into trouble. <clears throat> There's times when in our own personal lives, we don't like things about ourselves. And so we try to hide them from other people, right? Or there's things that have been done to us that we don't like to deal with and we don't like how we were hurt or uh, things that have happened. So we hide them in different compartments in our heart and we like, kind of keep them there and then we try to just forget about them and we try to bury them and paint over them and, and hide from them and make sure everything is distracted. We distract ourselves from those things that we put in the corners of our hearts. Is anybody relating with me today? Right? We all do this too much. Sometimes because we are ashamed of something that we've done. Sometimes it's sin that we hide in the parts of our heart. And we keep putting it there. And we keep saying, oh, you know, God forgives. And we keep doing it and keep doing it. And instead of exposing it, we don't want people to know. We don't want God to know. And so we just hide it. We look over it. And we make some kind of justification that it's all right and we'll move on. And instead, it, the problem with burying things in our hearts is that they still live there. And they're still part of us. There's this great song called Mansions by NF. I want to read you the lyrics of this. I think they'll put them up here. I'm not going to rap it like he does, but uh, <laughs> it says, My mind is a house with walls covered in pain. See, my problem is I don't fix things. I just try to repaint. Cover them up like it never happened and say, I wish I could change. Are you confused? Come upstairs and I'll show you what I mean. This room's full of regrets. It, keeps, it just keeps getting fuller and fuller. It seems the moment I walk into, it's the same moment I want to leave. I get sick to my stomach every time I look at these things, but it's hard to look past when this is the room where I sleep. We keep putting things into our heart. We keep putting things into our life, and we hide and hide things, things that happen to us, things that we do, things that we're ashamed of, sin, things that other people do to us, hurt, pain, and instead of exposing that to God, instead of exposing that to one another, we hide it because we don't want to deal with it. Maybe because we're scared. 
Maybe because it hurts too bad. Maybe because um, we're afraid of what it might mean that we might have done something wrong or we might have to change. And so instead of allowing uh, exposure, we have these walls that build up within, inside of our heart. And we put up all these different things and we put these different compartments in our heart and we say, we'll put this one here and we'll keep piling them up with regrets or whatever it is again and again and again. And the problem with this, the big problem is this, is the more that those things build up, they are still there, they don't leave until we really truly deal with them. And they start to cause us to go away from our authentic self. Because the problem with these things is they start to leak. They start to fester. They start to grow like mildew and mold. And you ever open up uh, your refrigerator and you forgot something was in there for a long time? And you open up the container, you're like, whoa, what is all this green stuff crawling around? Are we the only family that's ever done that? <laughs> Maybe it's just us, but... Um, this, and you know, you almost have to, it's almost just worth it to throw the whole, you know, the container out too and not even try to clean it because it's just so festered in there. That's what happens on the inside of our heart when we continue to bury things and not deal with the pain of the past or the hurt from our lives or with sin or with whatever it may be. We have to deal with it. If not, it grows, it festers, it gets, it, it becomes ugly. And it's, here's the problem. It seeps into the rest of us. We think we can isolate it, we think we can compartmentalize it in some area in our life, and every other area of our life is okay. But the problem is, it's who we become. It's who we are. It leaks into everything else that we do and touch and say and feel. And the big issue with this is now it takes us away from our authentic self. It changes us into be people that once were pure and holy and loving into people that have become worried anxious and fearful or hurting or sad or depressed or anxious and all those things leak in and through all we are but God has a better way he has a way to deal with these things he has a way to bring us back to our authentic self the scripture says in Genesis chapter 1 and this is where we have to go back to the beginning to see what God has really intended for our hearts and our lives. What, was, what, was our, what are we supposed to be like? Who is our true self? What is our authentic self supposed to really look like? And if you go back to the very beginning when God, in, in creation, in Genesis 1, verse 26, God says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God had just created the world and the uh, trees and the mountains and the animals. And he says to himself, then God said, let us... Make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And then in verse 31, he says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. He saw what he made, and he says, this is very good. And so I want to draw your attention to this first part of this last scripture. If you guys can go back there on the screens in verse 26. It says, let us. It's so cool right here because God is talking. God is a triune God, meaning the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so he's talking to God the, God the Father, is talking to Jesus, who is God, and talking to the Holy Spirit, who is God. 
And they're talking together and they're like, hey, let's make man in our image. Everything else was not in their image. The worlds, the galaxies, the stars, uh, the, the, the livestock, the fish, everything else. But now let's make humans in our image. In our image. Let, let them be like our likeness. Let them be made. And they're talking to one another. And the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And then it says in Genesis, it says, and the spirit of the Lord hovered through the deeps. That depths. I just love that scripture. It's like, whoa, where's he at? He's everywhere. He's like into the deepest, you know, there's, there, there's no galaxies or anything yet. They hadn't created him yet. And he's all, but he was there. And so the, we have the word who was Jesus. And Jesus became flesh. The word became flesh, the Bible says in, in John. And that's Jesus. And then God is the one speaking. Father God is the one speaking this. And the Holy Spirit's in the depth. And so they're like, yes, let's make man in our image. Let's make man in our likeness. And so when he made us, and this is the, uh, the authentic self of how we should be. He says, let's make us them in our, in our image. And so that image is a natural image. It, it shows us that um, we have immortality. He made us with immortality. We're going to live forever. Our soul will. Whether it's in heaven or hell, we, you, you and I are going to live forever. This flesh will die on earth. But our spirit will go on to live for eternity. Number two, we are a spiritual being. We're, we're a natural, we, God made us in his natural image, but also in his spiritual image. In other words, we have understanding. We have freedom of will. We have various affections. We have uh, free will to have various affections. We can like certain things. We cannot like other things. I don't like vegetables. Right? I had the freedom to choose that. I don't like vegetables. No, you have to eat vegetables. Well, I like some of them. So don't be too hard on me. Uh, God made us in this, this uh, image. He made us in a political image. In other words, he gave us in this scripture even governance over um, the world, over having dominion over fishes and sea, uh, the sea and the, the beasts of the field and over all the earth. He's given us this, um, this hierarchy. He's given us this governing image that's like, like he has. But most important, and this is the one I want to get to, the image of God, his likeness. He made us... In his moral image, which according to Apostle Paul is the righteous, is righteousness and true holiness is found in Ephesians. God, the Bible says, I'll put it like this, God is love, right? God is love. And at creation, when God made humankind, he made us full of love. In other words, our soul uh, principles, our soul thinking was out of love. In other words, all of our thoughts, all of our temperaments, all of our words, and all of our actions were motivated by pure love. We had no fear. We had no worry. We had no anxiety. We had no selfishness. And so because of that, we, uh, the decisions that we made were not based on us. They were based out of pure love, love for others, Love for other things, love for creation, love for what the, the creator made, love for the creator himself, love for our spouse. There was no need to fear. There was no fear. There was no anxiety. There's no moldy festering inside of people's hearts because they were pure and perfect. And there was no need to hide. Everything was exposed. Everything was in the open. And we 
humankind were full of this love as we were made in God's image and in his likeness. God is full of justice and mercy and truth. And so were we. But then, because of this love, because of God's great love for us, he gave us this thing called free will. Because if love is made to love, if love is controlled, it's not love at all. He didn't make us to be into robots that had to love him. We had to choose to love him or not. And so God, man play, God placed man in a free will environment. He warned us of it, and yet we still chose not him. And when we sinned, we openly declaimed and decided that we would no longer have God rule over us. And with that, we lost the very image that God created us to be. We were now separated. When we're separated from God, it draws us further into death and in destruction and away from that original beautiful image that he created. The Bible says in Genesis 3.8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. There's no hiding before. There's no need to hide. But now all of a sudden, humans have allowed sin to come in, fear to come in, separation to come in, and now they were ashamed. And they hid from God, the very creator, the one that made them, the one that made all things. And now they were no longer under the power and love of God, but under the power of fear. And they fled from God. They lost the image of God. They lost their authentic self. Everybody with me? We lost our identity. We lost who God created us to be. And you could say, oh, that's Adam and Eve, but not me. But the Bible says that each of us have gone our own way. We've all gone astray. We've all turned our backs on God. We've all fallen. And because of that, we too have allowed the things of this world, the things of this life, to become pollution in our own lives and taint the purity that God once had for us, the pure love that he had. We lost the love of God. We lost the image that we, couldn't, that we once had. We were deprived now. We became unholy as well as unhappy. We sunk into pride and self-will and in essential appetites and desires and got darker and darker and darker. So let me ask you, have you been hiding from God? Have you been hiding things from God? Have you fallen out of a relationship with God? We've exchanged the image of God for an image of the devil, which is pride and self-will. We've exchanged the image of God for the image of the beast, which is sensual appetites and desires. 
And because of this, even when we were born, the Bible says that we were born into sin. And because of our sin and because of our depravity, because we've done these things, because we were born this way, the Bible says you must be born again. And that means that Jesus came. God loved us so much that he gave us another way out. And he sent Jesus to come to reverse this curse, to reverse the trajectory that we were on of going further and further away from God, to bring us back to him again, to bring us new life, that which was dead coming alive again, us that were in pride and humili- uh, pride, prideful back to humility, those that had passions uh, and, and various things back to meekness, those that struggled with hatred and envy and malice back to a sincere, tender love for all mankind. God is trying to bring us back to our authentic self, the image that he created. So stop hiding. Stop burying things in your heart. You know, there's a lot of times, I remember a few years ago before I got married to Naomi, we were dating and all, and, you know, pride is a tricky thing. You know, you think, I, I'm, not, I'm just going to be honest. Can I be honest with you guys today? I thought in my heart, true heart of hearts, that I was all good as far as, like, relationships are concerned. Naomi and I started dating. I had been, you know, wounded, you know, years, many years before that. But I felt God had healed me, and I felt like, you know, there's nothing hidden in my heart anymore, and I, I'm capable to be in a good relationship and be a husband. And, you know, and in fact, in counseling, for premarital counseling, and I do a lot of that, I talk to couples about the baggage that they may be carrying into this marriage. And we talk about how, how can you have less baggage? We don't want to carry old, old hurts and old um, habits and old things into this new marriage, right? We need to get rid of some of those things. And so, you know, here I am now dating a few years ago and thinking, yeah, I don't have any baggage. I'm all good. And then our first year of marriage happened. And all of a sudden, all kind of things started rising up from within my heart. Things of like um, uh, fear and abandonment issues and fear of abandonment, fear of uh, of being hurt, fear of different things. And all of a sudden I realized as these things start festering out in our first year of marriage, man, I've got some serious problems here that I didn't realize were still in there. They were hidden so deep in my heart and down, down in, the, in my mansion, I had this basement. And in the basement, I had a hidden basement that had hidden basements. And somewhere way down there, was hidden these things that I didn't even know this room existed. And when things started happening, they started rising up. They started coming out. We got in fights about milk. We got in fights about how to wash the dishes. We got in fights about, you know, all kind of stuff, like arguments, right? And things started, I was like, wow, like, why is this coming out? What is going on here? The fact of the matter is that all of us have walls. All of us have hidden spots, hidden, hidden things in our hearts that maybe we know. There's things when I talked about this at the beginning, you were like, oh, yeah, I know I'm hiding this sin. and I can't seem to get rid of it. Oh, I know I'm hiding this shame or this unforgiveness towards somebody. 
but I'll deal with it later. You know some of the things in your heart, but there are some things in your heart that you don't even recognize, and you don't even realize. Let me just kind of poke it around a little bit. Can I do that? Can I poke around? I don't want to hurt you. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I want to poke at a little heart issues here because God wants to use this message to bring us back to our authentic self. There are things called inner vows where people will say, I will never be like so-and-so. Usually it's a parent, but not always. I will never be like my mother. I'll never be like my father. And they will live their lives making sure that they're not like so-and-so. But deep down, that is more of a bitterness issue. And so what happens is that leaks out into the rest of them, and they become exactly like the person they never wanted to become. The bitterness is the issue that has to be addressed here, not becoming not like somebody. Sometimes we hide unforgiveness deep down, and we think, oh, no, you know, sometimes we have unmet expectations. You know, here it is. Today is Palm Sunday, and this is the day that we celebrate Jesus coming into Jerusalem. He's on his donkey, and everybody's waving palm trees, and they're, like, saying, Jesus, save us. Hosanna in the highest. Come, and Hosanna is, is, God, we worship you. God, come save us. Save us, God. And they're wanting them, they're, in their minds, they're wanting Jesus to save them from this Roman Empire. But Jesus was going to save them, but not from what they wanted. And their expectations were one thing, but Jesus was doing another thing. And their expectations were, in their minds, so much bigger than what Jesus was doing. But in reality, Jesus was doing something so much bigger than what they wanted. And sometimes that happens to us where we're like, our, our expectations weren't met. And we are now very disappointed. And we think that so-and-so disappointed us or God even disappointed us. But what we don't realize is just like Jesus' intention on Palm Sunday is that Jesus had something way bigger in mind all along. What are you hiding? Why are you hiding? When we do this, we create an alternative reality. We create an incorrect image of ourselves. And we go on this trajectory for years even, living a certain way, thinking a certain way, when only to realize we are living this way because of the things that we hid from or ran from. But today God is asking us to stop running and stop hiding. Instead, we need to learn to walk in humility with an open, contrite spirit before the Lord. One that says, God, I could try to do this on my own. In fact, I have tried to do that on my own. If you have a personality, especially a type A personality, every type, all of us are susceptible, right? That we're going to, I can figure this out. I don't need a repairman. I can fix it. I have YouTube. And we do that with our own lives. Like, God, I don't need your help here. I can figure this out. I don't, I, I can do this on my own. But that is walking in the image of the devil who is prideful and selfish. 
we need to learn to walk in the image again of Christ, who is meek and humble. We need to learn to come before the Lord in a broken, contrite spirit that says, God, I surrender to you. God, I submit to you. God, I live for you, not for me. And so, God, I come to you with my brokenness. I come to you with my pain. I come to you with my hurt, with my disappointment, with my unmet expectations, even from you. Say, God, here they are. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 8, it says, for you were once darkness. This, let me just look at this again. It doesn't say you were once in darkness. It says you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. The same image that God originally created. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. And so Paul, the, uh, the author of Ephesians, writing to the church in Ephesus, is saying, guys, you need to live back to your original image. In goodness, righteousness, and truth. And then it says, and find out what pleases the Lord. Our life should be, God, what pleases you? What would you have me to do? Not what Rich wants to do. In verse 11, it says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So I say all this message to bring us to this one last part. If we really want to be back to the image of God and in walking in the love and the purity and the happiness that he has for us, if we really want to fulfill the purposes of God in our life and be what he's called us and made us and created us for, then we have to expose the things that are stopping that. This sin, this bitterness, this unforgiveness, these heart issues. And we don't do that by a one-time prayer, Jesus, come into my life. This is a continual, um, continual work. We call it sanctification, that he continues to work in us. He continues to work through us. It's a process. We keep coming to God again and again. God, I'm still struggling with this. God, I'm still struggling with this again and again and again. And before long, God starts to wash us. And he starts to clean us. And the blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ, comes and starts to clean our hearts and purify us from all the sin and all the dross and all the hurt and all the pain. And it works through the mansions and the rooms within this mansion of our hearts. And it gets even down into the deep basement and the deeper basement in the closet with inside the deeper basement. And it, and, it, and it saturates us. And before long, we become more and more loving and more and more joyful and more and more peaceful and more and more like Jesus again in his image. It's a continual work. That's why we keep coming to church. That's why we keep praying. That's why we keep reading our Bible. The Bible is like a mirror. When we read it, it exposes things in our heart. We realize this is not like me. We realize, wait a second, I don't like this. And then you realize, wait, the Bible's not the thing that's wrong. It's me that's wrong. This is a mirror, and sometimes we don't like what we see. And so instead of, and so here's what we'll do, right? <laughs> I don't like this mirror. I'm going to hide from it. I don't like what I just saw in that image. 
I don't like that I have to change. I don't like that. But little do we remember that when we allow this to get into our hearts and to change us and to fix us, we become more like Christ and more full of love and joy and peace. We've got to keep coming to Jesus. We've got to keep coming and praying. We've got to keep coming and getting into the word. We've got to keep coming and getting into church. And I want to just share one more thing that I think is one of the most important things that will help us in this process of sanctification. Uh, it's called discipleship. This goes totally counter to the image of the world and of the devil that's selfish, self-centered, and prideful, doesn't need help. Discipleship says the opposite. It says we need one another. It says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It says I need you and you need me. We need to love one another. We need to be there for one another. And we need to expose things in each other's lives so that we don't start hiding and becoming ensnared in all of these things. If you aren't being discipled by somebody, and if you're not being, if you're not making disciples, you're in contrary to what God wants you to do with your life. You're not being obedient to God's word that says, go and make disciples. This is something that all Christians should be doing. And as we disciple others, God in turn continues to change us. You may say today, I can't make disciples. I'm not perfect yet. Well, then if that was the case, if that was the, the, the qualification to make a disciple, none of us would be making disciples. Including me. Especially me. Ask my wife. We have got to allow God to purify us. Let God get into us. Let God bring us back to our original image of what he created us to be. So stop hiding. Can you do that today? Can you stop hiding? Stop hiding things. Instead, bring them to Jesus. Say, God, here I am. Listen, some of you have been hiding things for a really long time. Something's been in there for a long time that maybe you've even forgotten about it. <clears throat> but I want to just remind you again that when you bring this to Jesus, you know the cool thing when God showed up after Adam and Eve fell? They were hiding. <laughs> it's kind of silly, right? Because, like, you're hiding from God, like, He can see. It's the same thing with us, right? We hide things from God. We really just ignore it, right? We just kind of, eh, I don't want to deal with that right now, so I'll push it off down the road. And before long, it's this moldy, gross thing. And so the cool thing about God was when he was even in the garden, and Adam and Eve did that, and they were hiding, he does, there are consequences to sin, and he talks about death, and he talks about, your days will be numbered now and childbirth and man will have to work. But you know what he, the really heart of the matter of God was right there after that? What, did he, what was the first prophecy of all time? After, right after this, he, said, he looks at the serpent, the devil who tempted them to fall. He says, I will put war between you 
and the woman and her offspring and yours. And he says to the devil, he says, you may bruise their heel, but their heel will crush your head. Like, I don't know, I, I, I'm trying to explain the significance of this. It's because like God could right there say, because man has fallen, <laughs> you have no hope. You're, you're screwed, <laughs> right? Like, sorry. I, I'm just not supposed to say that word in church. Sorry. Hey, <laughs> you're not in a good place, God says, right? <laughs> sorry. See, I told you there's stuff still in there. <laughs> so God... He, he could say, man, you're messing. But yeah, they have to now go through all this horrible stuff. But he sets this trajectory that humankind will still have the opportunity to rise up again and become the image that he created them to be. Victorious over the enemy. Victorious over sin. Victorious over the matters of the heart. You will crush his head. And God has called us to rise up to be more than conquerors, the Bible says, that you can do all things through Christ. And he's given this power because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And even though we mess things up, God comes and says, hold on a second, it's not over. I've got a plan. And his heart is towards us. And so when we come to God still, we don't have to come with this great fear or shame. Yes, we'll have to pay for our consequences of sin, but we could come before God and he'll say, it's not over. The blood of Jesus will cleanse you. I still have a plan for you. I still have a purpose for your life. I still have a destiny I made you. It doesn't matter how many times or how bad I have. That's God's heart for us today. So stop hiding. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to just take, uh, the worship team's going to come. And this time as we close, I want to just, I, I feel like this message that God, um, kind of like a surgeon, used this, these scriptures to open up and allow us to see what our heart condition is like and how it should be. The contrast between the image of God and that perfection and that love compared to the heart condition of what we actually have right now. And everybody's different, and everybody's in different places, but all of us, God is, has kind of like a surgeon opened up that heart to be able to operate on it. That's what he did this morning. And would you allow, as this is, your heart is open right now, to allow God to work in it? Would you, in other words, expose yourself to God? Would you expose the heart issues, the, the matters of sin, the matters of hurt, the matters of brokenness, unforgiveness, whatever it may be, fear, anxiety. As the Spirit of the Lord hovers <laughs> through, the, through the depths, He hovers in this room, and He hovers in the, the, to the cellars of your heart, and He's able to come and to speak to those sensitive issues in a soft way as a gentle surgeon that would come and say, you know, you've been holding on to this for a long time, but you don't have to. I can take that. He may not do it instantly, he might, but most likely it'll be a process of healing, of purification, purging, 
sanctification. So would you just, as your heart is open, just say this prayer to the Lord. Just say something like this. Say, Jesus, my heart is open to you. I hide no longer. Forgive me for hiding all these things in my heart. Today I expose them and I ask that you deal with them, that you heal me from them and that you take them out of me so that I can be what you called me to be. Back to your image again. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, this is gonna be a process even this morning as the worship team's coming, uh, I'm, the altars are open. Maybe you're even just in your seat, wherever you feel comfortable. Would you just allow God to continue to work through your heart this morning? Would you pray, even before you leave, just, God, I need, I need you to work in these areas. A lot of it is how other people have hurt us. A lot of it is, <laughs> some of it is our own self-destruction, right? But whatever it is, God is able to help us with all of it. Amen. So just allow, as Bernie comes and leads us in worship, just allow the spirit of the Lord to continue to, to search all things, to continue to go into those depths of your heart and to, to do that. And allow that to start coming out. Allow God to start healing. And then from there, as time goes on, get in a crew. Talk to a pastor. Talk to me. I'd love to help if there's things caught up. You know, there's things, times in my life I get just caught up and I'm like, I don't know how to handle so I have other pastor friends or uh, other people that will just help me, disciple me. We all need that. So God, you know, and that, and that God uses other people, he uses my wife to help expose those things, to help me to heal from those things. And that's what God does. He uses his spirit like we can do now, but he uses other people too. So allow God to do that. Thanks again for checking out this message from Believer's Chapel. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And it's our hope that you will make today that day to call upon the name of the Lord and to give your life to him. If you'd like to speak to a pastor, please take out your phone, text 315-444-2100, and somebody from our team will be in touch with you. Also, if you're making the decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, text the word Jesus to that number, 315-444-2100, and we would love to celebrate with you. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.